Anyone who has been doing sales long enough at some point in their career has to answer the question, is sales really for me? They say if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Sales is not easy, therefore not everybody can do sales. That's what makes it meaningful and worthwhile in the first place. In today's video, I'm gonna talk about how to have more fun working in sales. It involves being comfortable, being different. More on that to come later. If you have had fun in the last 30 days, Hit the like button now, comment down below for the algorithm, and make sure you're subscribed to the channel. I see so many sales reps, including myself, at times focus on how they compare relative to others, opposed to how can I get better as an individual rep. When I first started in software sales as a sales development rep four years ago, I was one of the worst performing SDRs my first month, and I had to look myself in the mirror and ask, is sales really for me? Called my mom, I didn't feel good about myself, I was always used to performing well at things, and you eventually get into an environment where you're surrounded by other talented people. So if you were hyper-focused on how am I doing compared to Susie, how is Susie doing compared to Johnny, well, I'm doing better than Johnny, therefore I'm better than Susie, it's this infinite distraction that will actually hold you back from reaching your potential. When I initially had to look myself in the mirror and ask a sales for me, other questions I had to answer is, am I working as hard as I possibly can? Am I taking full responsibility for simply not getting the job done? I sought out the advice of the senior sales leader and he said, look, Trent, you truly need to be all in. If you're doing this work, trying to accumulate experience, assuming that you can go get hired at another company and not actually do the work here and just keep up leveling by leaving companies, chasing the money, eventually you will reach a place where you out promote your actual skill set if you are leaving companies. So once you get to the place where you say, okay, I accept that I can be at my current company for the next three to five years. I see that growth path. I like what I'm selling. I like the culture. I like the people. I'm comfortable enough with my pay, although I'd like to be making more. Once you get to that place, you can consider yourself all in. And the classic analogy is burning the boats. If you were the leader of an army and you take all of your ships to this foreign island that you were going to conquer, think of the island as your sales quota, and you get to this island, and you tell your army, hey, burn the ships. We're, we're not retreating. We are taking this island or we're dying. I'm going to hit my quota or I'm going to accept full responsibility for failure and acknowledge that I did not do enough to hit my quota. It's binary. It's black and white. The specific tactical piece of advice that I had to deploy was simply working harder. And this seems so simple and obvious. And, you, and you're listening, you're saying, well, Trent, mindset, how am I just gonna apply this? It just involves working harder. So if you're expected to make 80 calls, make 100 calls. If you're expected to have three set meetings per week, set a goal of five. If you're expected to generate $200,000 of pipeline this month, set a goal of $400,000 of pipeline. Whatever your expectation is, double or triple it, and set that as your potential. And that's the philosophy I have followed throughout my career. Because when I set this target that's in excess of my expectation, there's then a gap between where I'm at today and my potential. And that's where success is recognized. When you close that gap between where you're at and where you set your expectations, and that's above everyone else. And the only way to get there is by working harder. And that's what I did for the first few years and I still work hard today. But there also comes a point where you simply cannot turn the dial on working harder because you are limited by number of hours in a day. So that's where the skill set, the efficiency comes into play. How well you do something. 
And as an SDR, top of the funnel activities prospecting is really important. In all sales, you need to be able to generate pipeline so that you can recognize more revenue, so that you can get more commission checks, so that you can live a happier life. If you are interested in setting more meetings on the phone today, click on the first link in the description below for my cold calling guide. Having more fun in sales involves recognizing that there is no shortage of success. My success does not come in spite of another rep's failure. If I close $200,000 this quarter and Alex closes $500,000 this quarter, that's a good thing. And there's no room for me to be jealous or insecure or upset that he was more successful than me. If I ever find myself making excuses as to why somebody else is more successful, that is a loser mentality. Other people's success enlarges the pie. So if you work at a public company, stock price goes up and it actually proves what's possible for those around you. And it should be viewed as an inspiration. It should be viewed as a positive thing when others around you are doing well. Not, hey, uh, it's not fair that I don't have the best book of business. I don't have the right accounts. They don't give me the skill set. I don't have enough enablement. I don't have enough time in the day. They're all excuses. So when you look in the mirror, take responsibility for everything you're doing. And all of a sudden, things start to become a little more fun. Sales becomes more fun when you accept that being different is okay. And it's actually a good thing. Authenticity will differentiate you from your competition. They say people don't buy products, they buy you. And in software, you absolutely need to build value. You need to put together a business case. You need to justify to your prospect and their business why it makes sense to spend $50,000. But at the end of the day, they're not going to spend $50,000 if they don't trust you. There are two specific strategies that I follow to work better with those around me, all stakeholders, other colleagues, my leaders, people below me, my customers. And the first strategy is to never criticize, condemn, or complain. And this comes directly from How to Win Friends and Influence People, a book that I'm rereading now for probably the dozenth time. And the very first story in the book is talking about taking responsibility. Now you're starting to see that's a constant theme throughout this video. They talk about a specific prisoner story and prisoners in general, about how they got there, what they did, and the last things they said before they reached the electric chair or got released or whatever it may be. And they talk about prisoners, um, despite being proven for convicting these crimes, never actually taking responsibility and blaming the system, blaming other people, blaming their emotions, blaming everybody but themselves. So if they're unable to take responsibility for something that they were proved of committing and everyone says, hey, yeah, this happened, then how do you expect more rational, reasonable, pe reasonable people around you to take responsibility? A lot of people are going to do stupid things, going to say stupid things, going to do things that you do not like. And I've had this happen countless times throughout my career where an SDR does something stupid, screws up my account, and I want to just yell at them and say, hey, that was so stupid. And I have done that in the past. But it actually is an unproductive behavior to condemn people or critic criticize them. In, in some way, you have to take responsibility for failing to communicate effectively to them um, to, to what you want. So think about that in the context of your own life and, and, and the things that are perhaps hot buttons for you throughout the day. And when, when you stop to blame the outside world and start to look internally, if I want my life to get better, I need to get better, things start to become more fun because you feel liberated in a way. And the second strategy is to make others feel special. And this is easy to do and easy not to do. Think about why dogs are so welcomed in homes. It's because you walk in your house and the dog's sitting there smiling, licking you, you wanna pet it. They're fired up, they're happy, you're happy to see them. It's because the dog immediately goes up and greets you and it has a smile. 
And it doesn't even need to talk. That, that, is, that action is all that needs to be done. So when you think about this in the context of other people, when I'm walking around, I wanna feel special. I wanna feel loved. I wanna feel like I'm not losing out on anything that's gonna make me feel bad. So when I'm walking around, I want people to go out of their way to say, hey Trent, what's up? Uh, hey Trent, good to see you. Hey Trent, you, you've been working hard recently. Uh, th thanks for all that you do. I want people to do that to me so that I feel special. But in order for me to start to feel that type of behavior, I need to then do that to other people. And this is something I'm not great at today that I'm working, I'm getting better at. Think about this. When you're at networking events, everyone is there to meet other people. When you're at a bar, people are there to have fun, meet other people. You want people to come up to you. So why not be that person that goes up to other people and says what's up, says hi, rather than being shy in the corner. That's something I typically do. And I'm trying to get out of my, my shell doing that because ultimately people want to feel special. There are, you don't need to have a hidden agenda. Hey, I'm trying to sell you. I'm trying to date you, whatever. Hey, I'm here to make you feel special. How can I improve this person's experience, this very moment, their quality of life? And then you'll start to recognize that back in return as you start to put this energy out into the marketplace. A final point I'll make is if you happen to decide, hey, sales is not for me, that's completely okay. There's a lot of other great career paths, customer success, marketing, operations, leadership. There's a lot of other, other career paths you can go in. But if you, if you reach a point where you're starting to have imposter syndrome and you say, hey, I, I can't have fun because I don't know what I'm doing, I'm not seeing the success, that's okay. I'm someone that has promoted multiple times, that's 4X my income, that has increased their status. I've made over 600 videos talking about sales and almost daily, I'm still questioning, I really don't know what I'm talking about. A lot of the time I'll show up to a demo and for example, this one bank I was working with, I was meeting with executives, their salary is public, they're making over a million a year, they've been doing this for 30 years, longer than I've even been alive. And you're showing up to that meeting saying, I can't possibly add value to these people, but you actually can and you start to believe I'm the expert, um, I'm here for a reason. I'm confident in my ability now and my ability to produce in the future. To me, it's all about confident that you can produce in the future. And when you when you when you look at the inverse of this, it leads to scarcity mindset. It's why people don't like to spend money. Why people don't buy the coffee in the morning. Why people invest everything in the four hundred one k. It's because it's a scarce mindset. Because you are fearful that you will not produce in the future. Same thing with leaving leftovers in your fridge, having that ice cream with one bite left and the ice freezer burn on it, you're never gonna eat it, but you don't wanna throw it away because it's a scarce mentality. So when you start to have this abundant mindset of there's 8 billion people on earth, if I get rejected by this one girl, okay, um, there's there's a couple billion other girls that I, I may have a shot with. If I don't win this deal, okay, I, should I be unhappy or should I recognize that billions of dollars are printed, trillions of dollars are even printed and there's 8 billion people on earth, there's this global economy and, there, and there's, there's, there's millions, billions of dollars transacted every second. So there's infinite possibility and there's you can have as much or as little as you want in life. So it all comes back to the central premise of this video is that not everyone can do sales and that's okay and it's hard. Hard things are worthwhile and meaningful inherently because if making a million dollars a year was easy, then it wouldn't be special anymore. If consistently hitting your quote and doing well at sales was easy, 
then more people would be doing it, more people would be making money. And that is the whole point. Things that are easy are worthwhile. And that's why it, it, it's fun to try and get better at it. And you might as well have fun than not have fun. So if you enjoyed today's video and got value out of it, hit the like button now, thumbs up if you haven't already, comment something down below. What was your biggest takeaway? It also helps with the algorithm. The algorithm likes to feel special as well. Uh, subscribe now, our goal is 20,000. And also check out um, the second link in the description, which will be Sales Prestige. It's my podcast channel. We have a big interview coming out tomorrow with an enterprise sales leader. Um, one, one of the most insightful conversations that I've been a part of, we talked about closing a $50 million deal, um, retiring early, side hustles, while working a career path. So cool conversation, um, happy pipeline, happy life.